1: Big
0: Nasty! Yeah, Big
1: Nasty! Hall of Fame Tempe Buccaneer fan, baby! This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast.
0: Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't
1: listening, and you're missing out! Woo! This is Rhett from the Cannon Fire Podcast, and I am so excited to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, the East Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks are a Florida non-profit organization sponsoring youth cheerleading for ages 5 to 15 and full contact football teams for ages 5 to 14. Right now, registration is open and teams are looking for athletes and cheer coaches. Register now, but hurry, teams are filling up fast. Climb aboard and join the crew. Fire the cannons and go Bucks!
0: But this is a great group. I think we have the core here to win quickly. I'm not about building, I'm about reloading, and uh, with that, I can't say how, again, how excited I am to be a Tampa Bay Buck.
1: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. We are coming off of a week-long break. Had Memorial Day off. Hope you guys had a good Memorial Day. And we are coming back at you today for episode 57. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett. Normally alongside me is my good buddy Evan, but Evan is not here today. He's not feeling well, so let's extend to him and hope he feels better. We've got some big announcements and some great Buccaneers news for you guys this week. But before we get to all of that, we have a very special guest joining us today. And someone we can kind of shoehorn into the announcement here (laughs) is our good buddy from Bucks Report, Tony Rossi. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show, especially on short notice. But uh, how are you doing today, man? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Glad to have you. So, uh, as I said, ladies and gentlemen, we can kind of shoehorn Tony into this announcement here. Uh, Many of you have probably seen the video. If you haven't, I mean, I don't know why you weren't listening to more content from the show, (laughs) but... (laughs) If you have not, the Cannon Fire podcast is now officially hosted on BucksReport.com. What does that mean? It means we're basically partnered with the number one fan favorite news site in all of Tampa Bay sports. There are some great people over there and already a great lineup of shows. Uh, The Sports Web with Peter H. Blake. um, I believe Blake and Blake Sports as well. We are now added to that great catalog of shows and you can access our show over on their website and read many, many great stories as we wrap up the offseason here. But... We find ourselves a week removed from Memorial Day weekend. OTAs just wrapped up yesterday. Uh, and we've got a lot to go over. I think one of the biggest things people have talked about coming up into this week, things have kind of been slow aside from OTAs, but uh, mm-hmm. the biggest thing we've heard is the Bucks acquiring Indama Sioux. Well, <laughs> there were all sorts of reports all week long. He was supposed to be with the team on Thursday and then he ended up going and training at the Nike headquarters in Oregon, and everybody was like, what the hell? But lo and behold, <laughs> Friday, he made it. He had his press conference. Uh, Tony, before we get into this, man, what did you think of that press conference?
0: I think it's what you want out of an in introductory press conference. I mean, he said all the right things. Um, he was answering their questions exactly the way that you want them to be answered. I mean, there wasn't any off-the-wall answers. Um, I mean, it – it was crystal perfect, crystal clear, almost picture perfect from what I could you know, make of it. Um, I mean, I, I was not very high on Sue coming into it, but after listening to the Tennis Channel interview, listening to this introductory press conference, not that I've quote-unquote bought in on Sue, but a little more comfortable. Oh,
1: yeah, and he brought forth an attitude that it's like I, I had posted the video on Instagram. And everybody's like, I didn't expect him to sound like that. And even watching that video, you know, he's a guy that you've followed since he's been in the league, but I've never actually watched one of his press conferences. He's yep. very he's very calm, very uh, you know, just very mild mannered in a sense that he he made you confident with what he had to say. He said a lot of yep. the right things. Um and you had brought up some of the things he said. He kind of said a lot of what fans wanted to hear. Uh, but there's one thing that he said that stuck out to me more than anything else, and it kind of made me excited about what he can bring to the table because, uh, as you people may know, the Bucks are changing defenses. It isn't just going to be a base 3-4. As far as we know, they're going to be throwing a lot of different looks out of there. Um, yep. You could see maybe another 4-3 lineup. You could see a 5-2. You could see a big nickel look. It, it, it really depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but along with that defensive change comes moving around personnel. So a lot of people have talked about, is Ndamukong Su going to play end? Is he going to play nose tackle? Is he, you know, Where is he going to line up on the line? Um, he said in his press conference, excuse me, he, that he takes pride in being versatile. Uh, he said that when he was in L.A., they put him everywhere. He played end, he played nose, he played three-tech, nine, seven, six, wherever he was needed. Um, and that makes me feel awesome. Because yeah. not only can you look at, you know, he's a big run-stuffer. Coach BA even said it, he's not going to be a big pass rusher, but he's a run stuffer and someone else who is a great run stuffer is Vita Vea. You can move those guys around anywhere on the line. If he can play anywhere he's set up, imagine the mismatches those two can make, especially oh, yeah. Reek and hell on a on a run game.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that this is where the Bucks traded in and they, they got someone that was just under $4 million cheaper, uh, similar stats, but where they gained was uh, the run defense. Jeremiah McQuay, it was an okay run defender. Uh, Sue is rated out, rated out as a better run defender and the stats show that. Uh, and listen, could, could things drop off in the season? Absolutely. But uh, not, not according to Sue, though, is that if he's on the field, he's playing and he's playing with everything that he's got, and he said that within the press conference. Uh, but I, I would go to say that if, if they can plug him in uh, and they play to his the, his strengths and they plug him into those right uh, situations, you're going to see a very dynamic player when you have Vita Vea, and eventually if JPP does come back midseason, that's a nasty-looking line.
1: Absolutely. And you had brought up uh, using him as a big run stuffer and you brought up Gerald McCoy in the run. I want to go on record and say that I think Gerald McCoy was a liability in the run game. Um, We were looking at some film not that long ago with Blake Anthony Blake and Blake Sports. Uh, (laughs) Gerald McCoy had a very bad habit of running past the play. You would see him, his first step was always the best part about him, and his first step would get him through the line whenever he needed to, whenever he wasn't facing a double team. I mean, hell, he even found time to break a double team now and then. But there were so many instances where you can look back, and I know you can't see my video, um, but the run play is over here, and Gerald McCoy is over here. And it's almost like he's just too fast for his own good, and that's why I think in uh, Kasu is so important with the run game. That's why I brought it up because like I said, him and Vita Vea, I, I, there isn't much that needs to be said there. Um, yeah. But no, I just a
0: lot of potential, a lot of potential now. And again, I, and I'm going to preface this with, I am a McCoy fan. Like I've, you know, I've had high hopes for McCoy ever since he, you know, entered the league back in 2010. Oh, yeah. It. here's the thing. Jerry McCoy has the potential to be great to be the best to be the hall of famer and he has the potential to lead that defense in the prime of his career the prime is is, is over it's long gone but the issue with mccoy was is that it's kind of like getting to the top of that roller coaster you think it's all just going to happen all of a sudden just boom you're getting just about there and then it's just it's a big letdown, oh, and yeah. the ride is not as exciting as you thought it was going to be. Um, and he's—it's just we're almost there, and he just doesn't quite get there. And that is really the the recap of his entire career is that he was almost great. he yeah. was almost elite. And, and he you didn't hear- have this. He didn't have that. It, whatever. I mean, listen, people will always need uh, you know role players to help them along within the defense. I mean, it's a team sport. But dear lord, uh, the dude had nine really good seasons to prove his
1: point yeah and that was the argument that can be made kind of like he said he, he really just didn't have a lot of help but at the same time these people who believe and we'll get to this topic in a minute because it's another one uh but people believe number 93 should be retired or he should be a shoe in for the ring of honor and maybe ring of honor one That's day like maybe. Booger
0: McFarlane needs to be retired <laughs> I mean no disrespect to McCoy because I think McCoy is more talented to play than Booger McFarlane but Come on, guys. No, but I mean, I wanted to ask this. At the end
1: of the day, you can't ignore what Gerald McCoy did with the charities around Tampa. He was a community presence in Tampa, and there isn't much more you can ask for a player than to be confident in their ability on the field and to show some face, and he always showed great face. I remember a couple years after his rookie year, after he was looking to get his first deal, uh, he'd always post videos on Instagram saying he's the first in the building. I don't think we saw that, Gerald McCoy, the past few years in Tampa. But huh. in the long term, what did he bring to Tampa that we didn't have without him? We didn't have any playoff victories with him. We didn't get any championships. We didn't get nope. any wild card berths. I mean, the best Is season it- that he <laughs> had was the 10-6 and six year where he barely played at all his rookie year.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and I remember thinking back to that season, like, oh, man. How much better would we have been? Would we have gotten in eleven and five right. if he was able to play? Like those thoughts are in the back of my head. But then and, and hindsight's always 20 20. Well, maybe it was good that he wasn't, you know, playing in a <laughs> season. And I am more or less playing Dell's advocate. And yes, I'm writing Gerald McCoy very hard. And and yes, he had a lot of great charity work. And I mean he's very involved in the community. And and the community owes him a lot of thanks for all that. Do not get me wrong. But with that said. Community involvement charity work does not win football games.
1: Absolutely. And let me, also, let me also go on record as well. I like Gerald McCoy. I appreciate his time in Tampa. He was a little thin-skinned when it came to the social media, but at the end of the day, I'm happy he was here, and I'm happy that he plans to retire a buck. Now, this is the other hot topic, and this is the last thing we'll talk about with uh, Indomica Sue and Gerald McCoy here because I know a lot of people are probably tired of hearing it. <laughs> How do
0: you feel about Sue possibly wearing number 93? If the bro wants to wear ninety three. Let him wear ninety three. I mean, I, I and I'm going to bring up this uh, this tweet that we were just talking about with uh, J C Cornell. Let's see if I can bring it up here. Here it is. Uh, J C Cornell says, uh, "Listen," and and I'm going to make this comparison. Devin White uh, chose forty five over forty because he's a rookie. He doesn't want to be compared to. A great. He has Hall of Fame aspirations, so he is going to choose forty-five. So he doesn't have that comparison of number forty with um, with uh, Mr. A Train. Now Sue, on the other hand, who wants ninety-three, is a veteran. He's established. He's made an name for himself. But maybe, just maybe, J.C. Cornell thinks that he can submit himself as the better buck than McCoy. <sighs> if he thinks he can do that, fine. Go right ahead. Make my day. It's
1: a win-win. I, I look at ndaika sue and I'll be honest I like I like what he brings to the table I don't like how he played the last time he played in Florida as we all know Miami and no. that just
0: that that was something I don't really want to talk about here um, <laughs> <laughs> listen I, I get it I get it there's a lot of things not to like about Naaka sue I mean I think he can be a liability when the like the rumor mill started you know floating that sue could be a buck I was the first one to say you know what uh not a really good team guy, not a really good locker room guy. I think he's a liability for a lot of reasons. We're changing a culture. Is that the culture we really want? But these are the cards the Bucks have. And not that I've bought into Sue, but, okay, can he really hone in under those talents and really harness that quote-unquote anger? Great. Right. If you can, if you can do that under Bruce Aarons and company, do it and and, and be a great Buck. And if you want to wear num- number 93 doing it, Okay. Well, you had brought up as well, uh, you know, he has this
1: reputation, as everyone knows, he has a reputation as a nasty guy on the field. He's got an attitude. He's got, I don't want to say a swagger about him, but he knows he's very one dimensional. He is what he is. That's what you're going to get. He's just that type of guy. I've never Mm -hmm. heard anybody talk about him being a bad locker room player. I've never heard any former teammates come out and say, oh, he was you know, unmotivated, he was terrible, a bad influence on the rookies,
0: this and that. Uh, so, I, I mean, have you heard anything about it, it's that? Not, let me just, yeah, let me uh, shed a little more light into what I was saying about not a really good locker room guy. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that even though there has nothing been that's come out that says that he is a bad locker room guy, but when you're trying to change the culture of a team, and you're getting away from a very likable player in Jerome McCoy to a quote unquote nasty player in Adamico Sue, that could cause division. And then right there, now you got a bad locker room guy. Yeah. You're instantly creating a divide within a locker room under a brand new coaching staff when he is trying to do the opposite with his new team, right? Uh, and Bruce Arians, and he's trying to unite a team, he's trying to set the tone. Um, and And that was kind of my initial concern is that. Well, you know, because there's, there's always things that go unsaid within a locker room that never gets reported upon. Always.
1: At, Looking at, at you, Deshaun time. Jackson.
0: Yeah, well, in the case of Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he's just so loud and obnoxious that uh, it, it gets out anyway. Um, <laughs> as you can see, see, I'm not a big you know, D-Jax fan. But oh, no, neither
1: are we. You're all good, man.
0: <laughs> my, my, my point is, is that There is a lot of cause for concern, a lot of cause for pause, in my opinion, when it comes to Sue, but I think there's a potential for him to be good. He has the talent, he has the ability, and you got a great coaching staff in order order to harness everything that Sue is, so I guess we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, Uh, you'd brought up that great coaching staff, and that's another thing I think about as well with how Indomica Sue can translate to Tampa. You know, he can bring his antics, his on-field aggression, whatever But at the end of the day, how much is Bruce Arians going to put up with that? We've heard from so many people before. there's stories on stories that he is just a no-nonsense guy. And I know Mm -hmm. Sue was brought here to kind of be, I don't want to say a big star on your defensive line, but a very key part of that line. So to limit him in any capacity seems like a dumb move. But, you Mm -hmm. know, if he does something that garners a punishment, who's to say B.A. won't do it with, out any hesitation, because I mean, changing the culture starts with telling these guys what they can and can't do anymore. We already got no music at OTAs, all the ping pong tables ripped out of the locker rooms, so these guys aren't <laughs> having any fun right now. Yeah, yeah. So, just how much nonsense can he get away with?
0: Well, and, and you brought up the uh, what I'm going to call compatibility between the on-field nature of Sue and the no-nonsense nature of Bruce Arians in general, and how is that going to mix come date, come game day, and it, it, it could be messy. It could not be messy. Maybe they're going to take care of that before they even get to game day. But I, that was one of my initial like questions like, well, you got to know nonsense guy to what may be an on-field liability. How does that work? And then Bruce Aarons almost doubles down and says, I want to see that look in his eye. And then the reporter, and I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who asked it. Well, you know, in reference to what, after he gets a penalty, you know right after that that nasty sack or whatever he did and he, he garnishes that penalty i want to see what that look is in his eye i want i still want to see that so it's almost like he's egging them on to keep up that mentality almost right which kind of further muddies the water for me so it's going to be interesting it
1: definitely is that's something we're going to have to see translated onto the field but let's hope uh, in that translation process it can lead to some wins so yeah. Let's move on here. A lot of people have been talking, we brought it up earlier, about this new defense. The hybrid 3-4 is what I'll refer to it as, because it's, you know, a base 3-4, but a lot of different looks. Uh, yep. We've already gone over those, but a lot of people are hyping it up, worried about personnel changes, worried about this and that. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of chatter about this offense, and I think people seem to forget that this is a new offense that these guys are going to be running, uh, There's a new Arians playbook that these guys are going to have to digest as they head into the summer. Uh, And that's (laughs) not something that happens overnight. So a couple of things that I wanted to bring up, and and I don't want to say concern me, but something interesting I had taken from it. Uh, If they're running an offense anything similar to what Bruce Arians has done before, we know a few things. And for me, this leaves some question marks for guys on the field. Uh, first and foremost, we know that he likes to move personnel around on that offense. You know, we're probably going to see some guys uh, shifting into roles that maybe they haven't always played in. I have a feeling we're going to see Chris Godwin in the slot maybe more than once. Not an all the time full rotation thing, but maybe just to mix it up because he likes that unbalanced approach. That's what he's going to yep. get you with. He's not going to get you with a predictable play call. We were joking a little bit earlier. Uh, we were actually at Ferg St. Pete earlier with the Bucks Report guys, Peter uh, Peter Blake, Blake Anthony, um, even Ren Dax from the Pewter cast. We were hanging out doing the live show, Ferg St. Pete, Bucks Report. Go check that out. Um, but we had made a joke about Dirk Cutter's style of offense. He wouldn't run the ball, and then he would call the play-action pass, which didn't fool anybody because we weren't running the damn ball. Yep. Bruce Arians yep. likes a very unbalanced, unpredictable approach. Uh, how do you think that's going to translate for some guys on the team
0: already? It's, uh, I, I, I think that this new offensive, you know, you know, setting up your running game to set up the passes, I quote unquote mind-blowing philosophy, right? Because Dirk <laughs> Cutter was the other way around, as oh, we're going to throw it deep to set up our run game. Right. Uh, I'm no offensive genius, but... Uh, I know that it's not going to work out too well, I and mean, you're going to have your moments of brilliance, but in a 16-game season, uh, that's, a, that's a tough grind. Um, but the thing that, that concerns me even more uh, about this whole new offensive scheme is Jameis Winston has never had a season without a dirt Cutter offense. Very true. So all he knows is Cutter's offense in, at the pro level. And that's not to say that he can't – like. He can't pick up a new playbook and he can't succeed in a new offense. I mean, that is all could be a very much of a mute point come come September. But right now, he has to digest that offense and he has to uh, he has to get used to it. He has to get comfortable in it. I mean, the the knock on Jameis Winston is that he has has had such consistency when it comes to the offensive scheme and coaching staff that um, I mean, he wasn't able to become elite or at least a top tier quarterback in those four years uh, with such consistency. Yes, there has been a lot of, you know, to be said about not having a defense to help him out on the other side of the ball. But uh, if he wasn't able to become a top tier quarterback uh, with the same offense over four years, what's going to happen when you have a new offense that's thrown at him now, is he going to be successful all of a sudden? I mean, I, I, I struggle to say yes, but I mean, that's not to say that he could have a very successful season. It's, it's a huge question mark for me. It's yeah. a huge benchmark. And I mean, we
1: know Jameis already. He's the type of guy we heard it earlier this offseason. They have to chase him out of the building at one buck place because he spends so much time diving into and in, in just trying to perfect his craft. Uh, and in a sense, you kind of have to applaud him for that. He's a guy who didn't play four years of college football, came into the NFL, has had a couple of years that up and down. I mean, he's shown promise. I like to believe that he's still our guy. I have faith in him for at least one more season. He hasn't thrown more interceptions than touchdowns in a season yet, kind of like Marcus Mariota did uh, one time before. But I think he has (laughs) the confidence (laughs) to learn it. (laughs) And talking about this offense as well, um, one of the things that I think can help him out is having a strong run game. He hasn't had an offensive line. Uh, And the offensive line coach, Greg Warhop, was considered one of the worst in the league. He is no longer here. So let's hope that coaching on that unit can help out a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But opening up a run game and just, I don't know, man, I I think with the differences we're going to see in this offense, we'll see a new Jameis Winston that maybe won't throw 40 touchdowns, but also maybe won't throw 20 interceptions either.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Arians is no dummy, right? He has a great, you know, offensive football mind. He's going to try to ease Jameis Winston into this uh, s- uh, system, the scheme. Uh, maybe he'll kind of keep the reins a little tighter to start the season, but as he gets more comfortable when he gets real game uh, playing time underneath him in this new scheme, uh, you're, you're going to see him loosen those reins, I would assume. Uh, but initially, yeah, you're right. It, it's going to be a little more conservative, or at least it should be in my opinion. Um, but with all the talk about the defense and are they going to be able to – to, to grab a hold of uh, Todd Bowles' new off- or defensive scheme, I think you should have those same question marks. And call me a skeptic. I'm very skeptical about this season. A lot of people are very high on the Bruce Aarons hire and the whole coaching staff, which is a really great coaching staff, and a lot of the good offseason moves that were made or lack thereof in free agency, thank God. Um, and, I mean, they were held against the wall with the, the, uh, the, the cap space. You know, yeah, they, they, they did that what that they could had. there. Yeah, which I'm almost glad they didn't have money because, I mean, who knows what a Jason Light would have done in free agency because he's not good in a free agency. So a lot of and good... And desperate o- guy moves. now, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of good non-moves, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens within the 2019 season. And a lot of Tampa Bay area fans are very excited. I am not a very optimistic guy about this season. I'm on record stating 7-9 is the very best that this team is going to do. Uh, you know, Another 5-11 and season or maybe worse is very possible.
1: Oh, man. Ah, I, I like to I, say I'm an optimist in I, the listen, sense.
0: <laughs> I've been optimistic for too long. Too long,
1: right? I, I, hey, I, I, and I know one of the things that I've learned with being a Bucks fan is that you have to be as realistic as possible. I mean, you do. Because if you go into every season hoping for 11-5 and five and a playoff appearance, you're just going to be let down. That's the nature yep. of sports. But you can agree with me, hope is what keeps us here, right? <laughs> that, that I mean, stupid. if there was no hope, this wouldn't be fun.
0: <laughs> that, 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 that's what keeps us all staying in Tampa Bay. And I want, don't get me wrong. I want to be wrong, but this is the, the, when we talk about being realistic, you have to take in a lot of things into account, a whole new coaching staff, a whole two new uh, offensive and defensive schemes, right? A lot of turnover within the roster and a really, Tough schedule and easier December, not necessarily competition-wise, but you're playing in Tampa Bay in most of December. But you got a tough road stretch, a home game, quote unquote, London included in that uh, road stretch. That's going to be tough sledding for a team that's you know going to be looking to find its footing early on in the season. So that that is why I'm not as optimistic. Uh, but. Could they very well make a playoff push? Sure. Why? Why not? It's always possible, right? I mean, we never know until you get there. But realistically, the cards tell you that, uh, and quite frankly, Las Vegas tells you that it's not going to
1: happen. Yeah, and I am still so pissed about that home game in London, especially a division game. Oh, Oh, man, man, that just grinds my gears. Well, I mean.
0: We, we know why, though, right? I mean, it, it's the, to, it's the, the Super, you know, Bowl. Super Bowl, right? I mean, I, I get it. Like, you got to give some to get some. And whether that's a good thing for Tampa Bay or a bad thing for Tampa Bay is up for debate because we all know kind of the – you know, the muddled history of, on the finances of towns that host Super Bowls. Right. Uh, and all that they put into it, do they make that money back? But that's a totally separate podcast. But yeah. at any rate, I mean, <laughs> it, it sucks that, you know, the Bucks only has seven home games, like true seven home games. But, you know, you live with the cards that you're dealt.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of money, man, how about this uh, potential what uh, NFL executive sending out the player saying, hey, nice. stack up on your cash because, 2021 comes around and this collective bargaining agreement doesn't go the way we hope for. <laughs> it could be 2011 all over again. I'm not feeling great about that one.
0: Right, yeah, I mean if you guys haven't checked it out, go ahead and check it out on boxreport.com. We have an article that that drops in there uh, that references a a letter by uh Doris Miss Doris Doris Smith, excuse me, um got that <laughs> uh, yeah, say that 10 times fast that he's basically sending a letter to the player's agents saying, Hey, this is how you need to tell your players to save back their money. Take a certain you know, portion of their roster bonus, their weekly game check. Um, yeah. You know, any uh, elevator, you know, uh, performance elevator pay increases, save half of that back because we might be out of work for a year. Uh, now, is that a very realistic thing, right? Maybe I, I would say that's a little far fetched, but they're preparing for the worst. They're hoping for the best. And they're both very optimistic early on that they're going to be able to strike a deal before spring of 2021. I mean, that's just, that's still a little over two years away, but uh anything could happen. The smallest little breakdown of negotiations could just, you know, set off a firestorm and everything could fall apart very quickly. So oh, yeah. let's hope that it does that, that doesn't happen, but, What does history tell you? History tells you that it happened before, it's likely to happen again. Yeah, and uh, before we move
1: on here, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this offense, but I'm going to skim over some of the key details if you guys have not heard. uh, Some of the things being discussed with this collective bargaining agreement approaching, like you said, spring of 2021, uh, extending to an 18-game season, shortening the preseason to two games, among other things. Uh, I believe the... I don't know the term for it, but the acceptance of marijuana in the pain management category for the yeah, NFL. Yeah, it'd be the
0: league legalization, right? And that's yeah. kind of muddy as well. Is that if it's legal for the NFL, is it legal within the state that the franchise is in? Like, how does that work out? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of red a lot tape. Of tr-
1: a lot of trickery there, a lot of bylaws. But before we get too sidetracked, track, let's finish up our discussion on this offense. So, this is a new Tampa Bay offense. And diving back into what Bruce Arians has done in the past, like I said, if this offense is going to be anything like what he's had before, um, he doesn't like to use his tight ends a lot. He likes to use them as blockers. His tight end yep. usage is, is kind of questionable. And I bring this up because, as you folks may know, uh, I personally believe O.J. Howard, when he is healthy, is a top five tight end in the NFL. Yeah. If you don't sure. use that guy you're crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Like I said, when he's healthy, we've seen him be the most important part of this offense. In his rookie yeah. year, he came out. I believe he was the lowest ranked pro football focused first round draft pick. And the only reason that was is because he wasn't that great of a blocker. His second year, we saw his blocking improve. So he can be utilized as a blocker or a pass catcher. Um, but to develop a connection between him and Jameis with the talent that he has and the ways that he can be used. Uh, Mm -hmm. If BA plans on not doing that, it kind of concerns me.
0: Well, and like the initial concern coming out of college out of Alabama was that Alabama did not do an overly great job of, of uh, cultivating his pass catching skills, right? If you go back to his college stats, I mean, they, they didn't jump off uh, the page at you. And that was the scattering port that went against them there. Now, but you put him in the NFL and you put him on an offense where you're using him in that manner. Voila. I mean, he is, <laughs> he, he is just crazy. I mean, I, you do not want to mess with a guy like that that is catching a pass in traffic. He will run straight over you, right? A guy that big that has a good set of hands. I mean, who would have thunk it, right? An athletic
1: um, freak, man.
0: Uh, I it, know it, it's, it's great to watch a uh, pass catching tight end like OG Howard that has that blocking ability. Uh, now he, here's my hope and my prayer for Bruce Arians is that he had, he's on record stating that he plays to his players strengths and that was more geared to the defense and all the question marks around that. But I think that's more of his team philosophy, you know, as that's as, his how far I take it, right? So he knows the talents of OJ Howard. He has seen the game tape. He would be crazy to not admit his playbook to do so, to, to take advantage of that set. Um, so I mean, look for that to happen to a certain extent. I, I don't think he's going to break away from his, uh, philosophy that he, he has in his offensive playbook, but it doesn't mean he's not going to add in place. Yeah. And,
1: uh, you know, comparing the two offenses, of course, with Dirk cutter, Todd Munkin's offense, we yeah. saw, A vertical offense. We saw a two-tight end set a lot of the time, and that's where guys like Cam Brate and O.J. Howard were uh, were made useful. And as you said, Coach B.A. has gone on record and said that he likes to play to the strength of his players, and that makes me feel great, because if you can play to the strength of O.J. Howard every single time, he's going to get you that red zone catch every single time. Um, So I'm excited for that. Let's hope he can use that, and uh, we can see the O.J. that we're used to seeing here. But Speaking of some Buccaneers off-season acquisitions as we move on here, uh, the Bucs have already assembled a great coaching staff. And, I mean, top tier. On paper, this is probably one of the best coaching staff in the NFL. Uh, But, of course, we've said this about the Bucs before. On paper, anything is possible. Look at Cleveland. (laughs) Um, But the Bucs have already assembled a great (laughs) – the Bucks have already assembled a great coaching staff, but a recent acquisition is something that Bucks fans should pay a little more attention to. And uh, you might agree with me on this. This is Tom Moore. We first brought him in, and I was like, alright, he's an experienced guy. Um, didn't know too much about him. You do a little bit of research. Most recently, Tom Moore was an assistant uh, an assistant head coach and an offensive consultant under... Wait, excuse me. Yes. Okay. Sorry. My notes are all typed up sideways and sometimes like that. Most recently, Tom Moore was an assistant head coach and offensive consultant with the Cardinals from 2013 to 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. Moore was also the longtime offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, 12 years. And he was there for Peyton Manning's entire career with Indianapolis um, and then not uh let me not forget to mention as well Bruce Arians was a quarterbacks coach under Tom Moore from 1998 to 2000. So this is a connection that goes back. Tom Moore is a guy with one hell of a resume and some great football knowledge. Yeah. My only problem is that he's
0: only going to be here for the off season. <laughs> We're not going to have well, him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he he's only here for the off-season off so far, right? I mean that that could change, but even if you have a football guy like that even for the off season Help get guys settled in. Uh, help give, you know, Aarons another set of eyes. Well, hey, Aarons, have you thought about this? Or, you know, just trying to redirect him on a few things that he may be missing. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, I mean, the, the Bucks already have like 8,000 coaches. So what's one more really good <laughs> football guy? Right.
1: And um, in one of the things B.A. has said, he, you know, Tom Moore has forgotten more football than most of us will probably <laughs> ever know. Um, I had a a double look at that. I I, I took a
0: double take on that one. I'm like, hopefully he uh, forgot all the stuff that wasn't important.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But one of the things you had brought up is that he is in a consultant role here. He is a guy that Bruce Arians can go to when he has a question about something. I I think he's referred to him before, and I'm quoting this here. uh, He's referred to him as his complaints coach. He... (laughs) You know, if he sees something he doesn't like or he doesn't know how to fix something, he doesn't yeah. get on the podium like Dirk Cutter and say, well, if I knew how to fix it, I would. Um, he oh. just goes to Tom Moore, asks him what's up, and hopefully he fixes it for him. And that's that's great to have because this is a Buck squad that, you know, to have an extra opinion is great, but they need all the help they can get.
0: Absolutely. Um, There's nothing uh, not to like about uh, this quote unquote temporary hire, this consultant hire of Tom Moore. Um, You know, like you said, I I didn't know a lot about Tom Moore off the top of my head, but, you know, just having just a little bit into the history of Tom Moore, uh, he's just another example of the quote unquote coaching tree and the network. I mean, coaching tree is probably maybe taking it a bit far, but uh, the network, more or less, that he has built, he has built some really loyal coaches, right? I mean, uh, just bringing them out of the woodwork to come work for Bruce Arians. Uh, I mean, just seeing that all come together was just astounding back in January. And now you know why is uh, he, he built a lot of loyal fans, right? In every facet of this league. Uh, and Tom Moore is another example of it. And it, it just doesn't go back just a year or two on the same team. I mean, we're talking about a deep history um, that goes beyond uh the whistle right uh, it, and so it, it's fascinating to see and that 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 shows there's a lot of depth to Bruce Arians which you know his predecessor <laughs> the guy before him you can't say much about that in dirt cutter i mean to your point if he didn't have the answer well if i if i knew i would have fixed it well that's your job dude go fix it that was um, that was the most concerning yikes thing to me
1: during his time here i don't remember which game it was after it was about halfway through the season he literally got on the podium and was like if i knew how to fix it i would do you ever want to hear that from a head coach
0: oh no no <laughs> uh, so i was listening to that press conference and i heard, heard him say that i texted my buddy I'm like hey you watching this
1: it was oh dude that was rough that really was to- rough
0: I just got I got a hey, shaking your head Jeff like I just have no words like <laughs> I mean, there is no words right it's that's insane but the the good thing is is that you're getting the total opposite opposite of that in Bruce Arians uh, and additions like Tom Moore who if he doesn't know there's someone that does there's a there enough coaching knowledge on uh, this like on the staff to to get any questions answered there's nothing that they can't figure out at the end of the day are they going to be perfect no but. I think you're going to find a lot more competent uh, coaching from here on out.
1: Absolutely. And I'm really excited for those Bruce Arians press conferences. Even if we have a bad game, I think he'll Golden make them entertaining.
0: Nuggets. Golden <laughs> Nuggets. I, I, I get the Bucks Report crew ready uh, for every press conference about an hour. Hey, guys. And now we got some we got some nuggets coming. If no matter what is happening, there's always going to be a couple of uh, diamonds in those in that rough, right? Uh, it's it's great. I mean, he's just he is a very quotable guy, and that's what I like about Bruce Arians. And if you talk to anybody else in the media, I'm sure they're going to say the same exact thing. I mean, if nothing else, if the Bucks. Crash and burn the entire season. The dude is good for a handful of quotes.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now speaking of some help at one buck, another thing people have been talking about just recently, we have seen Warren Sapp come back in a little bit of a, uh, in a little bit of a. I don't want to say coaching position, but he, he's whispering to some of these defensive guys and and uh, he's lending his hand into making this squad what hopefully we all want it to be. So uh, you know a little bit more about the Warren Sapp situation.
0: No, I, I don't have anything personally more about the Warren Sapp situation other than like, you know, we've seen this a little bit long before in season past where he would come in and he kind of kind of lend his hand as a, a consultant, like player consultant type of role and, um, and give him tips, encourage players, you know, kind of maybe work with them a little bit, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think, you know, Warren Sapp secretly wants to coach. I oh, don't yeah. know if he is a a coach, right? I don't know if he has that a talent or if he has that ability. I mean, just because you're a great player does not mean make you a great coach.
1: Very true. There's
0: numerous examples of that. Uh, not saying that Sapp falls into that pitfall so to speak but uh uh if if nothing else it's good to be in the presence of a hall of famer right it's good to be surrounded by good talent uh, because there's wisdom there obviously right from a player's perspective there's always wisdom to be gleaned especially when there's so many things changing uh with this bucks team so it's it's nothing but good oh yeah and if he can bend the ear of somebody he'd already put out a tweet about
1: it but if he can bend the ear of somebody like endomica sue or even you look at yeah. some of the rookies or some of the younger guys. I mean, imagine some of the things he can give Vita Vea advice with or Devin White. Set the tone. Set the attitude. Uh, a lot of people talk about that Warren Sapp swagger that the Bucks had. <laughs> uh, I, I like to refer it as the, uh, the the put a jersey on. You know that clip yep. after the yep. game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Packers game. Yep. Yeah. If you want to bring that nastiness back to Tampa, I think Warren Sapp talking to some of these guys, that's the best way to do it. So like you said, being in the presence of a Hall of Famer and having him there in any capacity is sure going to do this team some favors. But we've got one more topic I want to break down before we wrap up and get out of here. Uh, This is something we've touched on. I know Blake Anthony, Blake and Blake Sports, has a very strong opinion about it, and he's the one who got me thinking about it mostly. I want to talk to you about Will Golston. (laughs) <laughs> I'm starting to put up missing posters everywhere for this guy because we just haven't seen him. The Bucks paid him to a huge contract extension—maybe not huge, but they signed him to a contract extension—and he puts up zero sacks that year. Um, and I'm honestly surprised that he's still on the team after Harold McCoy left. So,
0: what's his deal? I, I personally thought that he was going to be a casualty going in to this offseason, I mean, he seemed like he was a perfect candidate to get yourself under the cap, um, uh, to sign the rest of your rookie players. Cause he's making, is it uh, what, just seven up in 4 million? Oh, okay, uh, oh okay. no, it's 3.75 million. So It wasn't a ton. It wasn't going to like cure all of your, uh, it wasn't going to cure all of your uh, pain, so to speak at that point, but it does escalate up because in 2020 4.75 and 2021 it's five and a half. So it gets worse. Uh, and his production is, has not gotten better. Uh, he is a milk carton type of guy. He is underwhelmed. He has been here so long, and, and I just don't think that he has earned the right to just automatically be on a roster. I mean, this this line is, is talented enough, when healthy, to not need him, even in a rot- rotational basis. Give me an old guy that, you know, like you're, I don't know, uh, in anybody, uh, just just give me anybody other than Mo Gulson. Gil- I I almost feel as bad what about, about uh, what about Mo Wilkerson just got arrested today for drunk driving in New York City. Well, probably not Mo Wilkerson, but I mean just just give me anybody that is not getting in trouble with the law, right? <laughs> that, that doesn't have a record. That is just that is a clean guy uh, that has that energy, has that drive. Maybe he's a little older. That is just going to give you a good pass rush just for a year right fill that roster spot with the guy that's hungry and doesn't have a record uh, yeah. <laughs> because listen he is not worth the 3.75 million the bucks are going to pay him in 2019 and it's fully guaranteed that's not like this isn't a hey you know we can get rid of a mid-season no each of these years are fully guaranteed fully yeah
1: and, and so, i mean Looking at Will Golston, I know people used to clamor, and I used to be a fan of his before he just stopped producing. Um, but you look at his size, right? How First of all, how can you just not utilize that in a way to where it works for everybody on the team? Um, but unless he is the type of guy where, as you said, be a casualty after June 1st today... Um, Maybe there's a slim chance he still gets cut. But if he doesn't, we're going to have to put up with him being on the team the rest of the year. Uh, If he does end up staying in that capacity, where can you plug him in? I I mean, for me, his size, we know that he's not going to be a great pass rusher. Throw him at nose
0: with as big as he is. Let him be a run stuffer, right? Be some relief for Vita Vea. I think yeah. I, I, I think a rotational player behind a Vita Vea or a Ndamukong Su, that, that's the only capacity that I see him. I mean, you can't put him as, an, as a stand-up linebacker uh, or a defense fan. Like, yeah, I don't see that. I mean, early in his career, Tampa had him at DE, but uh, still, he wasn't cracking about three sacks. He has never played a season where he had more than three sacks in a season. Never. Yeah. And the dude played all 16 games. I mean, there was a couple of years where he played like 14 or 15, but for the most part, the dude played a full season. Yeah. Three sacks. Yeah.
1: And, you know, he's been that guy who's just consistently found a way to stick around on the roster, but ho- hopefully they can utilize him and, and hopefully we can see some more out of him. Because even if he sticks around through the rest of this season, I think <laughs> I think if he cracks three sacks or not, this is going to be his last year in Tampa Bay.
0: Has to be, has to be, has to be. I mean, obviously the Bruce Arians and company, Todd Bowles has, has found something they like in Will Golston. I would like to know what that is. Um, Or maybe they're just giving him enough rope to either make a swing or hang himself. Um, And and he is the master of his own fate at this stage in the game. If he is still around, which he is right. Uh, Like I said, he should have been a cap casualty heading into free agency. He should have been, he was not. Um, so it, there, there's no way that he survives past the 2019 season if he doesn't produce. I, I just don't see it.
1: Absolutely. So a critical year for Will Golston and a critical year for the Bucks all around. As we said, this is a year with a lot on the line. We're going to want to see these guys produce. And uh, from here on, let's hope for the best. But ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that's just about gonna do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Whether you were watching with video on YouTube, you were listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, and of course, watching us on BucksReport.com. Tony, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. You were a great guest. And uh where can the people find you and
0: tell us a little bit more about what you do at Bucks Report? Yeah. Of course, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Tony Two Rossi B R. That's Tony Two Number Two Rossi B R on Twitter. Or you can just follow uh, at Bucks Report uh, on Twitter. I'd also like us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and you know, I, I am the, uh, the the chief quote unquote editor of Bucks reports so any uh, the, that content flows straight through my hands. Uh, so we make sure to take good care of you guys. And uh, so if there's any late breaking news uh out of one buck place make sure you check it out the Bucksreport.com. you're going to find the latest and greatest stuff out there every single day heading into the dry stretch of the offseason here in the coming weeks uh if there's anything that pops up Bucksreport.com is going to have you all the way up and through september throughout the season
1: Absolutely. And Tony, you guys have made that transition for us as a part of the Bucks Report family as seamless as possible. You guys have been doing a kick-ass job of making sure we are taken care of, uh, and we appreciate you very, very much for that. So thank you. And we're
0: glad to have you, man. Cannon Fire Podcast is a great addition to BucksReport.com. You guys have some quality, quality product that you put on the table every single week. Um, and you got some great guests. Uh, So, guys, make sure you check out every episode of Cannon Fire Podcast from here on out on BucksReport.com, and uh, it's going to be a great season.
1: Absolutely. As we wrap things up here, remember to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Cannon Fire Podcast, Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast, and on Twitter, it's just Cannon Fire Pod. Make sure you check out our partners at BucksReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. And last but not least, thank you so much to our sponsors, the Tampa Bay Youth Football League, East Bay Buccaneers. Registration is open now, so make sure you go check that out. Sponsoring full contact football teams for ages 5 to 14 and full cheerleading squads for ages 5 to 15. Registration is open now. I believe it is open until the end of July or maybe the beginning of July. Don't quote me on that. Make sure you check it out and get the details, eastbaybucs.org. Thank you so much to them for sponsoring the show. I am Rhett, signing off for Tony and hoping Evan feels better. We'll catch him next week. We'll catch you next week. Thank you so much for listening, and go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E.